0: Yeah, that can only mean one thing when it's about six minutes after four o'clock in lovely Vancouver. That is time once again for the Employment Hour. Ready to take your calls. As you just heard, the number 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll get to all kinds of things. On the show this afternoon as well, we will cover off the severance pay calculator, a tool you should try, even if you don't use it, to find out what severance you should be offered, and lots of uh, of topics about reprisals and other good things to talk about uh, today, or It's going to be a busy show, but you always start with the week that was, some cases that you wanted to talk about that have uh, come across your desk.
1: What's going on, pal? Well, Johnny, it's uh, it's certainly been a busy week, a busy start to, uh, to, or a busy few weeks here in September when I've had an opportunity to uh, to answer a lot of questions, and not just on the show. You know, we're doing the show every week, but most of the questions that I answer actually are in my office. People emailing me or calling me about their specific situation and that's terrific, that's amazing, that's exactly what I want. I want people to call me and and feel free to know that they'll get an answer, that they'll find out what their rights are and that they don't have to worry and try to get the information somewhere online on a message board or just say, oh, there's probably no solution so I'll probably right. just have to grin and bear it. Those are not the right uh, way to deal with workplace problems. You call me, you email me, you call the show if you want, and let's fix those problems. And that's what we do on the Employment Hour. If If you haven't heard our show before... And the week that was is where I always start. And by the way, call us right now if you if you're listening. Uh, let's fix those problems. Let's uh, inform you and everyone else listening here uh, throughout Vancouver and area uh, about workplace rights. So uh, let me talk to you, Johnny, about a couple of situations that I saw over the past few days uh, in my office. Uh, I spoke with a lady who uh, had uh, some problems with a new boss. New boss came in and. Uh, wasn't treating her very well, was very uh, critical, was was rude, uh, was not uh, responsive when she tried to talk to him. So she did the right thing and she went over to the person above her uh, supervisor, mm-hmm. to the director. And she said, you know, I'm having this problem with my supervisor. Can you please help and, and you know, tell me what I can do to make things better? Uh, and, you know, the, the director seemed to be very understanding and, and, and very uh, helpful in comments and said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look at that. I'll deal with it. Uh, and that's how she left and uh, she thought everything was going to get better. Well, wouldn't you know it, less than a week later, she gets called in a meeting. In that meeting, there's the supervisor and the director and they say, well, uh, we don't think your performance is very good at all. We're going to put you on a performance improvement plan and you have 30 days to shape up and meet all these targets or else. And this is a lady that's worked for the company for, eight, for 11 years. She was a good employee, never had a bad performance review in her life, never had a complaint before. Uh, and all of a sudden, a week after she speaks to, uh, the director about potential harassment, she's being put on performance improvement plan and threatened with termination. She called me. She was extremely emotional, extremely upset, and she wanted to know what does this mean and what are my rights? Well, John, you know, this doesn't pass the smell test clearly, clearly what's happening here is she filed a harassment complaint and they're now trying to bully her, push her out, and maybe try to convince her to leave or try to build a case to let her go for cause. And they're doing that instead of doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing, which is to try to fix the problem, try to address the harassment and take measures to make sure it doesn't happen again. It's a reprisal. We'll talk more about reprisals later in the show. But she gets punished essentially for doing the right thing. That's illegal. Now, what does this mean? That means that she could treat this conduct, what this company did, potentially as a constructive dismissal. Because they treated her badly, she could potentially now leave and require them to pay her severance. She could be entitled to other damages because of this reprisal. So what the company did here, she, they really did screw up. They did really did make a, a big mistake. And I wanted to raise this here on the show because you may find yourself in that situation where you're uh, worried about complaining and you should, you're concerned about whether you're going to get punished for, for complaining about something going on. You should know that if your own company punishes you because you raise a legitimate issue, that is illegal. They can't do that. And there's going to be significant repercussions if they punish you.
0: Yeah, just, I mean, right for like you said, the smell test, you know, 11 years a banner employee, now she's the workplace pariah. It just doesn't hold water no matter what, right?
1: Yeah, a week or less. I think it was like six days or five days after she, she, she speaks <sighs> to him about harassment. No way. That doesn't make any sense. And I don't think there's a, a courtroom in the world where that argument would get any credibility.
0: Lines open, ready for your calls if you have questions about that or any other topics that have to do with your job or otherwise, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. What else you got going on?
1: Spoke with another lady. She had been uh, struggling with a a, a serious medical condition, and because of that medical condition, uh, she needed to be off work. She was off work for a number of months and slowly but surely was getting better. She was getting treatment and uh, was working hard to get back to work. Well, very recently, her doctor did clear her to go back to work, but with some limitations. So she emailed the company and her, he emailed the, the HR person and her boss and said, you know, I want to come back to work. Here are my limitations. I'll need some accommodation, but uh, I'm very anxious to come back to work. Well, she emailed that. She never heard anything back. Uh, she tried again. Uh, and over a period of three weeks, she emailed three times and never heard a response. Not yes, not no, not a thank you, nothing at all. Well, she had assumed that, well, I guess they don't want to accommodate me. They can't accommodate me. I guess there's nothing I can do. So what happened then is she decided to look for another job. And sure enough, a few months later, she found another job. Well, wouldn't you know it? She she heard our radio show and she heard that, wait a second, they have a duty to accommodate. Wait a second. They shouldn't have, been, shouldn't have ignored her. So she called me and I confirmed exactly. Of course, they can't ignore you. Of course, they have to try to accommodate you. Of course, they have to meet your doctor's requirements. Yep. And by the fact that they didn't and they ignored you, that is a human rights violation. That's a termination. So they owe her severance. They potentially owe her human rights damages. She was off for a few months until she found another job. They're going to have to make her whole. They're going to have to pay her for the time that she was off and potentially some other damages. So this is an important thing for everyone listening to remember. If you're an employer is uh, refusing to accommodate, not even trying to accommodate, won't talk to you about the limitations that you have and the accommodation that you need, that is illegal. That's a human rights violation. That is a very basic obligation that employers have. So if that's your situation, call me, email me. Uh, there are really good uh, legal remedies in that case.
0: That number, by the way, to get a hold of Lior and his team, six oh four two eight three thirty-one twenty-three. It is help at employmenthour.com through email. Uh, before we uh, I got a couple of minutes before we uh, we take our first break here. Details, severance pay calculator, let's do
1: it. Well, you know, the reason I created a severance pay calculator is because there's so many misconceptions out there when it comes to yep. severance. If you haven't heard our show right now and I were to ask you, what do you get if you lose your job? How much severance do you get? I bet you 90% of you would say, oh, I get a week's pay for every year of service. Some of you may be more generous and say, oh, I get two weeks per year of service. Well, guess what? You'd be wrong. And and the reason you'd be wrong is because the law provides for a lot more than that. But there's misconceptions, there's confusions. So I created the severance pay calculator so that you can find out exactly how much you're owed without any hassle, without uh, investing much time or effort. So you go to severancepaycalculator.com Again, severancepaycalculator.com. And when you're there, you're going to be asked a few questions. What, What is your age? How long you've worked? What type of job that you have? And once you've answered that, you're done. It's going to tell you how many weeks, months pay you are owed. And it's a heck of a lot more than a week's pay per year or two weeks pay per year. For some people, it could be several months per year. It's easy. It's free. It's anonymous. There's no strings attached, which means there's no excuse not to use it if you've lost your job. So check out severancepaycalculator.com if you lost your job, if you're worried about losing your job, if you're curious, if your friend lost their job and you want to help them out, severancepaycalculator.com.
0: And I know we always boast about it, but seriously, over 550,000 people have used this thing and had their, uh, their eyes open for sure, right?
1: I would expect, John, that at some point by the end of 2019, by the end of next year, we may be getting close to that million mark, uh, you know, yeah. given the fact that, that people are spreading the word around. Uh, so that's very exciting.
0: You mentioned the topic of reprisals, getting punished for standing up for your rights. We'll get to that after a short break, but phone lines are open, ready for your call. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. Just getting warmed up for the afternoon, the employment hour right here on CKNW. And we are right back at it. Again, the number 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll get to the topic of reprisals, what they're all about here in just a moment. But first, phone calls. You have the priority as always. Frank, good afternoon. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Good, sir. What's, uh, what's your concern today?
2: Uh, my boss is trying to force me to sign an income averaging form so they don't have to pay me for overtime.
1: So what they're trying to do is, is a, what we call an averaging agreement which yeah. uh, allows the company to average your hours over a certain period of time uh and uh, in, instead of paying overtime so yeah. uh, you know there's a few rules with that obviously that has to be uh, in writing but you have to to agree to it they can't yes. make you do that so okay. ultimately if you decide not to mm-hmm. they can't punish you and not only that they can't avoid paying you your overtime Yes. What so you have, you have to agree is, to do it.
2: What they're saying is that if I don't do it, they might have to switch my
1: twelve-hour shifts to eight-hour shifts. So you, you right now, you have regular twelve-hour shifts, right? Two of them, yes. And how how long have you been doing that for? Um, probably a year. And what were you doing before that? Um, I don't know.
2: I think I've always, uh, since I've been here, I've always worked
1: 12-hour shifts,
0: about a year and
1: a half. Okay, good. Okay, good, good, good. So here's how this works. So as I said, you don't have to, you have no obligation to sign an averaging agreement. Now, if in fact they insist and they say, well, if you don't, then we're going to take you out of the 12 hours and put you on an eight-hour shift. Well, that's a significant change to the terms of your employment, which means that could be a constructive dismissal. A constructive dismissal means they've effectively, or you could treat that as if they've effectively let you go and get severance. So ultimately, your choice would be between potentially uh, uh, accepting this averaging agreement, or if not, uh, treating a situation as a constructive dismissal. You've been there for a year and a half. Frank, how old are you? What kind of job do you do? I'm 63, and I do security work. Okay, so someone in your situation will probably be looking at right around three months' pay, it could even be as much as four months. So, yes. so that's what's at stake for you. You'd have to decide okay. what's best. But here's my my last piece of advice: if before you decide, before you make a final decision, yes, you're gonna accept, no, you're not. I want you to call me because I want to make sure yeah. that there's no employment agreement in place that may change the analysis. But from a general standpoint, your options are to potentially treat this as a constructive dismissal if they change your shift. Yeah. So I'm I'm under no obligation to sign this, right? No, sir. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Thank you so much. Thank you, Frank.
0: Frank, appreciate that, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend for sure. Again, that number to get a hold of Lior before you take it a step further, 604-283-3123. That is the one. We are moving on to uh, to Jack. Hey, Jack, good afternoon.
3: Oh, hi. Um, I have a question regarding my wife um, sure.
2: and,
3: and disability benefits. Uh, Um, I I don't have to say the company's name.
2: He's been there
3: over five years. um, Worked uh, 40 hours a week uh, for the first three years, three and a half years. Um, Fell because of neglect on the company's part, uh, not keeping a wash area um, uh, safe and not having a rug there, whatever. Not only her, she's now been dropped to 24 hours a week because of her back and she had an arm injury. Three other people have since then have hurt themselves in the same spot doing the same thing. Um, It's in a deli, right? What they do the cleaning and the washing, and they don't have the proper floor stuff on there. So here's my question. My wife hurt her um, hand somehow, and and they've actually cut her off three times in the last two years. Since she went on this restricted hours, She has to have a certain amount of hours a month. I think it's 100. So when she works 24 hours a week, she just barely makes it. So if she misses a day here or there, boom, they cut her off. She has to wait three months to get the hours. Cut her her off
1: what, uh, Jack? The
3: extended
2: benefit
1: class. Okay.
3: Medical, you know. um, Yep. Um, So anyway, she got hurt and uh, missed a couple days and went to the doctor and the whole everything proper. Boom, lo and behold, she gets the notification yesterday or Friday that in two weeks she'll be cut off again. I mean, it was their fault that she actually got hurt.
1: No, Frank, like, I don't understand uh, Jack,
3: how they do that.
1: Jack, has she applied to WorkSafeBC? To what? Uh, to a workers' compensation?
3: Uh, yeah, but uh, it would be like this if she went to compensation,
1: it basically.
3: She can still do the job, a job, right? And she wants to work, um, so I don't think
1: she's done that, no. So, so, and the reason she's reduced hours is because she physically can't work more hours. It's b- b- because of what her doctors uh, telling her, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. From the from uh, a job incident, exactly.
1: Okay, so here's how this works. Ultimately, uh, if she can't work the the hours and if their plan their benefits plan says that you have to work a certain number of hours in order to qualify there's not much the company can do now they the company can't decide well we decided to qualify for benefits you have to have this many hours but it, it's only if the plan itself the insurance company th- those are their terms now the fact that it's their fault doesn't change the analysis if it's their fault what this means is your wife should apply to workers compensation because she may be entitled to money. So here's how this works. If she now can only work 20 hours, example, a week instead of 40 hours, workers' compensation compare the difference, okay? So you, your wife is not getting money that she's owed because she hasn't applied to, to workers' compensation. So that's it's what she a union, has to do. It's a union job too, though, right? I see. Okay. Well, she either way, she has to apply to workers' compensation. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you could do that. Wow. Really? Well, yeah. Absolutely, she can. And and she could talk to the union about whether or not uh, the the whole uh, hour minimum is legitimate. But she has to apply to workers' compensation, uh, and that's a, an important point there for everyone there that may be hurt at work. Is if you're hurt at work, you have to apply to workers' compensation. Now, Worksafe BC is what we call it here in BC, and because yeah. If there's any downfall, if there's any loss of income, that's what that system is there for to compensate right. you, to pay you for what you've lost. Uh, it's important thing to do that and, and you can't wait on it. So if you're injured at work, apply right away. If your employer ever gives you a hard time for doing that, that's illegal. You call me at that point, but in most cases, employers are not going to stop you or even uh, give you a hard time at all if you apply to WorkSafeBC.
0: Jack, appreciate your call. Uh, Again, it's nice to uh, enlighten you with some information you didn't have. That is the reason why we do this show. For you as well, want to call in 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And to get a hold of Lior and the firm, help at employmenthour.com, by the way, is the uh, the email address. Okay, uh, reprisals. We talked about this in the first segment of the show. Getting punished for standing up for your rights, basically, in an employment law scenario. What exactly is a reprisal?
1: Well, a reprisal essentially when you're being punished for making inquiries about your rights or standing up for your rights or, or trying to pursue your rights. It's a very fundamental point in employment law that you have a right to ask questions. You have a right to, to pursue what's yours, and what that means is you can't be punished if you pursue your rights, and you can't be punished even if you get it wrong. So if you're uh, uh, asking questions about harassment and it turns out that it actually wasn't harassment, well, again, you can't be punished for it. So examples are if you're, uh, again, harassment is a classic. You can't be punished for asking questions or filing a harassment complaint. You also cannot be punished for uh, raising human rights issues or asking for accommodation Or complaining that you're being discriminated against you cannot be punished you also our courts have also said that you cannot be punished because you've inquired about things such as overtime or vacation pay so you have a right and you should always feel confident knowing that your employer cannot come to you and say well i'm upset with you because you've now filed a complaint i'm going to punish you that is illegal that is wrong that is exactly what we call a reprisal so, what are some
0: classic examples? I mean, one that probably stands out in everyone's mind is getting on, a, you know, a suspension without pay, right, before you've been found guilty. I guess you yeah. could say, right?
1: Yeah. So, and anytime you get punished, that is that is a, an example of a reprisal. So, you are being suspended, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously, you are being fired. But there is a lot more subtle ways you can get punished. Uh, we talked at the beginning of the show where someone is, was put on a performance improvement plan a few days after they were uh, they asked about harassment or yeah. you could be given a, a warning, uh, or you could be—you know, your job could change, you could be, be demoted. All of those things could be reprisals, the type of punishment that you're getting because you had the audacity to, to complain about your workplace situation. That is wrong, that is illegal, and everyone listening right now should understand it. No, you have a right, and sometimes you may not know what your rights are. You may not know, am I owed overtime? Is this an accommodation issue? But you raising those issues, you asking questions about that is your basic right, and you cannot be punished for doing that, even if it turns out that, no, no, you actually were not owed overtime. That is very important to remember, and and, uh, an employer that uh, breaches those obligations is going to find itself on the wrong side of the law very quickly.
0: You know, the subtlety of it is, is just incredible. I mean, you could probably open up a whole separate office just based on reprisals that people don't know is happening to them.
1: Oh gosh, yeah! I, I literally, not a day goes by when I don't see that, yeah. uh, and people are getting punished all the time, and people, uh, you know, being put in a situation where now they become the, the pariah, so to speak. You no, know, and the boss doesn't want to talk to them. Again, you can't do that. Uh, and you know, a boss has to be professional. A company should investigate matters properly. And if they don't do that, again, that's wrong. That's illegal. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no tolerance for that in, in the law.
0: We're going to take a short break. Darcy, I see you there on the phone line. Stay there and lots of room for you as well. Come on in. Water's warm, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Lots more employment hour on the way on CKNW. And there's still plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions, get them answered by Lior, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll continue our discussion about reprisals uh, just as well. That's a good one to uh, to continue with. But first, I want to get back to the phones. And uh, Darcy, thanks for hanging in. How are you? Well, good. What's going on? Well,
2: I uh, work for the same company. Hang on. I'm turn my phone up a bit. I work for the same company. Hello? Yeah. Yep.
0: We got you.
2: I worked for the same company for almost seven years. It's a father-son, partners, and, uh, they do different things, which I was working with both of them. The son didn't want me around, and, uh, so I took a layoff from them, and, uh, I settled for a very cheap severance package, but, uh, the father wants me to continue working for him on a part-time basis, and, uh i was told i have to pay the severance back if i go back to work for the company
1: so who told you that the company told you that if you want to come back you have well, to pay it back
2: that's what the uh the lady that did the does their bookkeeping and uh, their accounting and stuff said if i go back to work for them i have to pay the severance back, wasn't well, back.
1: so so here's the thing this is not necessarily a legal question there's no law that says you have to pay the severance back. If if they Obviously, they don't have to hire you, right? If they say, we'll hire you, but only if you pay it back, well, that's up to you to decide. No, no, I'm like the, say, not
2: saying that, but that's that was the impression I got. But you know, Like I say, the father wants me to work for him. I've actually done, like this started off two months ago, I've, I've got another full-time job, but right. uh, the father still wants me to work for him, like doing small things. I've been working for him, mm-hmm. but I haven't put any time in for it.
1: So why don't you talk to the father about it? So you're happy to go, but this okay, lady doesn't you've to pay you money.
2: There's no legal standing there, then?
1: No, no. there's no law that says if you come back to the company, you have to pay severance. Of oh, course not. Okay. Absolutely not. No. If if they okay. if that's the only way they'd hire you, well, that's up to you to decide whether that no, makes no, sense no, no, for you. No.
2: Like I said, the, the son, he's doing everything in his power to shop me around, and the father's always he's been a good friend. I've known him 20 years.
1: But, but but okay, so if you're going to go back there, just I'll leave you with this advice. You say that you kind of agreed uh, on a cheap deal or, or not a lot I of took, severance uh, last time. I
2: took one week per year severance package. I accepted it. Yeah, that's it bad. Yeah. Which was cheap.
1: That That is cheap and that's bad. So if you go back there and at some point down the road, a year, five years, ten years down the road, uh, they let you go. Now you know not to do that. You're going to call me at that point. Uh, or, yeah. or check out separatepaycalculator
2: hey, the, uh, the father has been really super good to me. Like last year, he gave me a. I've had a company vehicle, and he signed it over to me. It's a two. It's worth about six or eight grand. Okay, good. Okay. He gave What's it. Deal with him.
0: Okay? Huh? Yeah. Just so, keep dealing with him. Deal with no, him. Forget so about the. Exactly.
2: Sign. Exactly. So you know, like I mean, every year he. You know, we bought you a new bed one year, a big screen TV. You know, wow. like, it's
0: been really good to me. The son's been a total prick, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's the a son term. sounds like we a bit of a DB. That. So just ignore him yeah. from now on and work with the uh, work with the dad. I'd like a big screen TV and a bed for my boss. That'd be nice. Yeah, i uh, Your uh, calls as well. Plenty of uh, plenty of time. 9898 or star nine eight nine eight on your cell. Reprisals, getting punished for standing up for your rights. So you you think you may be owed something. Uh, you didn't get overtime, or maybe you just didn't get paid for your entire shift last night, for instance, what do you do?
1: Well, John, the the thing is, you may not necessarily know if you're actually owed the amount. You're not sure, wait a second, do I qualify for overtime? Is there something wrong here? You don't know. And and some people, because they don't know, they may be hesitant to ask the question. They may be hesitant to pursue something because they don't know. Well, that's not the case. That's not the way it should be. Whether you're sure that you're owed something, or whether you're not sure whether you're owed something. Either way, you have the right and I would say you have the obligation to yourself to ask the right questions and to pursue it. So if you believe you haven't been paid or you're not sure you got paid overtime, go talk to your boss, go talk to HR. And if they say, "Oh no, you did get paid properly." Well, then have them show you. You know, here's how we calculated it and then you have to determine whether that's not uh, whether that's right or not. Again, you're not sure, you call me. Uh and and let's make sure you get what what you're owed. Now, Their answer can't be, well, wait a second, Uh, you're claiming overtime now. Uh, No, no, we don't like that, so you're out of here, or you're suspended, or you're demoted. Can't do that. That's a reprisal. That's illegal. You cannot do that. So bottom line is, if, if you feel something, someone's wronged you, maybe someone is mistreating you, like you were talking about in the week there was, or maybe you feel that, uh, you need accommodation and the company won't accommodate you, you can take that up with whoever is the appropriate person in the company. You can ask the question, you can demand that it be dealt with, uh, and without fear of being punished. So,
0: Basically, again, just to reiterate, even if you bring something up, if it finds out you were right, well, then you were right. Your your suspicions were correct. But if it was something you thought was going on that was wrong and it turns
1: out you were wrong, you can't
0: be harmed by that.
1: Exactly. And that is, that wow. is exactly the key. Uh, and, and harassment is a, a classic example. One right. of the obligations a company has when there's a harassment complaint is to investigate and is to create uh, or to have a legitimate and objective investigation. Sometimes that may mean bringing an outsider to do that investigation. Now, if they've done an investigation, and the conclusion of the investigation is, no, what happened between these people was not actually harassment. Assuming that's legitimate, they can't say, well, now we're going to punish you because you made us go through this process. So no, no, no. You have to have the confidence knowing that as long as you bring something up that's legitimate then you're not going to be punished. Now, the exception, of course, is if you bring up a a complaint that's illegitimate, that's not legitimate, that's in bad faith, well, then you can be punished. So for example, if you file a harassment complaint because you're trying to get back at someone uh, because you don't like them, there's no harassment, but you're hoping to get them in trouble. And if the company finds out that that's what you did, then yeah, they're not going to be happy Mm -hmm. about that. And they there may be some uh, uh, discipline that's appropriate. But as long as you raise something in good faith, as long as you raise, some, you raise something that's that's legitimate, that you believe in, you cannot be punished. You should not be punished. Uh, and if anyone th- decides to violate this rule, call me, email me, let me deal with it.
0: That number, by the way, to get a hold of the or simple, 604-283-3123, help at employmenthour.com. So you got an employee feels that he or she may have been punished for standing up for their legal rights because it's something they suspected. Uh, first steps, what do they do?
1: Well, obviously, you want to you wanna be sure that that's what's happened. So uh, if, if there's a, another legitimate explanation, well, let's, let's see if that's true. Ask the question. So if you've been uh, demoted all of a sudden, ask the question, why am I demoted? If you've been put on a performance improvement plan, do you agree with it? Is there something wrong that you did? If you've been let go, is this part of a larger termination or layoff? Did they get rid of 50 people and you're one of them? If you're one of 50 people that they let go, it's going to be difficult to say that it's a reprisal. But if you've explored those options, if you've thought about them and, and it, they, they don't add up, they don't make sense. You come back to the reason that you were let go is because they're punishing you because you raised a complaint, you raised an issue. Well, at that point, that's no laughing matter. At that point, we can't uh, uh, you know beat around the bush. You got to call me. Because we may be able to, to, the reprisal itself, by the way, may be able to be treated as a termination, as a constructive dismissal. And you may be owed additional compensation, additional damages for the reprisal itself. So what you don't want to do is sit on it. Because again, sitting on it, being silent, being quiet is always the same as acceptance. So if you've been uh, punished, uh, maybe you've been put on a performance improvement plan, you think it's unfair, you think it's a reprisal, and you don't do anything about it, or you don't say anything about it, you're considered to have accepted it. You're considered essentially to be saying, yeah, that's okay, I agree with it. Bad mistake, never let that happen. So if you're concerned that you've been reprised against, that you've been punished for doing something that's right, you call me, you, you, you email me, let's explore all your options, and let's not let the employer get away with uh, that type of behavior.
0: And I guess in this scenario, uh, we're talking about reprisals. As with everything to do with your job, if you're going to have this conversation with your boss, your superiors, always do stuff in writing, right? Always, 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 oh, everything.
1: Yeah always in writing. If it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. So if you file a complaint, raise it in writing. If you're concerned that someone is mistreating you and you've talked to them about that, put that in writing. Sending an email to someone confirming what happened works just as well. You never want it to be your word against someone else's. That is the rule always when it comes to workplace situations, workplace rights. The, The written word always wins the day.
0: The number still to call, lots of time, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll get to some emails and dip into non-competition obligations after a uh, a short break here on the Employment Hour on CKNW. And a quick reminder for you, ever wondering what your severance should be, don't scratch your head and just accept what you got. Make sure it's right. It's open 24 hours a day and there's no charge. It's beautiful. SeverancePayCalculator.com, over 550,000 people have used it and learn from it. I want to uh, get over to the email quickly here. Bill writes in says, says, uh, Lior, my employer found out that I lied on my resume when I applied for the job. I was fired on the spot, and I have not been paid any severance. Am I owed anything? Well, obviously,
1: lying, well, period, lying anywhere is not a yeah. good thing. It, it's a bad thing, and an employer that's lied to is generally not going to be happy about it for obvious reasons. Now, when it comes to lying on your resume, it really comes down to what you were lying about and how relevant that is to your job. So if you lied about a specific qualification that's important for that job, well then, no, uh, that's a problem. You could be fired for cause for that. If the company relied on something in your resume right. and then it turns out that it was false, then you know what? That, that is cause. That is not a good thing. On the other hand, if you lied about something major, if you, you said that I graduated in uh, 97, uh, but you really graduated in uh, 95, well then and you, maybe you did that because you wanted to make yourself sound a bit uh, younger. Again, not a good thing, I, I'm not advocating. But it's also not a big deal. So if you, you yeah. can't really be fired for that, for, for cause, uh, because because you lied. So is it a minor lie? Is it a major lie? Is it, Uh, something that the company relied on or is it not? So never a good thing to lie on a resume. And also the longer you worked for the company, the more difficult it is to terminate you for cause. So if you've been working there for 10 years and they found out that 10 years ago you lied on the resume, yeah, it's probably not going to matter. But if you just got hired and a few weeks later they realize you lied on your resume, that may be a bigger deal. So bottom line is let's explore that. Let's find out how big a deal it is. Let's find out if you lied about something major, and, and if it's not, that could be a wrongful dismissal. You could be owed severance. Remember the general rule that is: oh, it's always very difficult to terminate someone for cause. You would have had to do something very, very bad, something terrible, to justify a termination for cause in most situations, almost all situations. When a company pulls the trigger on a termination for cause, they don't actually have cause. They've done it before they should. Uh, Again, that makes it a wrongful dismissal.
0: uh, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. you still got some time. The old non-competition obligation. When we talk about non-competes, what do they actually mean? Because we get it all the time in the show, people calling to see if theirs is binding or not, right?
1: Well, absolutely. A non-competition obligation is something that many people, maybe even most people now, may see in their employment agreement, in the contract of employment or the job offer letter that they sign when they first take on a job. So a non-competition obligation is a term that tries to prevent you or control what you do after you leave the company, right. whether you let, you're let let go or you leave yourself. So a non-competition obligation would specify that you can't work somewhere or you can't work for someone, usually for a competitor of the company. And a non-competition ob- obligation would specify for how long, two months, six months, two years, uh, and, and in what area. You can't work for a competitor anywhere in uh, Vancouver, anywhere in BC, anywhere in Canada, anywhere in the world. So a non-competition <laughs> obligation could actually be a very big problem for someone. Because Can you imagine if you've been working in an industry your whole life? You take on a job, they let you go six months later because it's not working out, and now you sign an agreement that says, I can't work in this industry for two years. Well, what do you do? So that's yeah. something that it's important to remember and, and to keep in mind, and that's what we want to spend the next uh, few minutes talking about.
0: How often do you see it in uh, employment agreements? Say out of 10 I agreements, s- how many would have a uh, non-compete?
1: You know, every year it becomes uh, more and more prevalent, more, uh, I see it more often. Uh, You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't see it as often. Now I see it in most cases, I probably would see it in in, in six or seven out of 10. And obviously the more senior a position, the more likely it is to to be there. So if you're accepting an entry level sales role at a a store, for example, you're not likely gonna see a non-competition obligation. If you're accepting a, a job as a VP, You'll see it ten out of ten times, but even kind of mid-level positions, it's more common than not to see them. So that's why it's very important to pay attention to them.
0: So let's ask, pardon me, the most important question: Are non-competition obligations actually enforceable?
1: Well, you know, I'll I'll preface it to say that's actually to me probably the second most important question, and, and I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. So, but but let, let's answer the, the specific question that you've asked: and is the are they enforceable for for most people? non-competition obligations are not enforceable. They're not. Our courts have said that we don't like terms that prevent people from earning a living. So for most people, they're not enforceable. They're, they're For the most part, they're only gonna be enforceable for very senior roles, for executives, for people that if they did go and work for a competitor, it would hurt the previous company significantly. It would really, really damage that company. So unless you're an executive, Okay, unless you're someone in a very senior role, it's not going to be enforceable. So most people would say, well, okay, great. I'm, I'm glad I heard the show. I know it's not enforceable now. So who cares? Let's move on. Well, not so fast. Now we get into the most important question, which is, mm-hmm. is the company, your previous company, going to try to enforce it? Right. That is the real question. Because guess what? If they try to enforce it, They're going to make your life very, very miserable. They could take legal action against you. They could take legal action against your new company that you work for. And you know what? Three years later and uh, $50,000 in legal fees later, you're going to win. But that's going to be a pretty hollow victory. It's going to be a pretty miserable victory, which is why I say the real question is not is it enforceable. The real question is, is the company going to try to enforce it? And the company may try to enforce it because they may want to send a message to their other employees that, you know, you don't mess with us. So you have to be very, very careful when you sign a non-competition agreement. You should never sign it unless uh, unless you're not prepared to live with it. If you sign it, my rule is if you sign it, you have to live with it. You know, it's
0: funny you mentioned about signing, it. I guess, like you said, the, the high-level CEOs or fiduciaries, I mean, it's different, but for the, for the average guy, you said the middle of the pack who might have one, would that be definitely a deal breaker for
1: an employer or not? Well, it really shouldn't be. Why? Because yeah. there's other things that an employer can do to protect itself and usually does. So for example, an employer is going to use a non-solicitation obligation. So if you leave us, you can't go after our customers, you can't go after right. our clients, you can't go after our other employees. There's confidentiality obligations, that if you leave us, you can't use our confidential information. So if if I can't go after your customers and I can't use your confidential information, that's enough. Why does it matter where I work? So a company should not be concerned about competition in most situations. And I think if you raise this the right way, and you say, obviously, I have no problem with non-solicitation. I'll never go after your customers, etc. Uh, and Confidentiality is great. I'm just concerned about if you decide to let me go for whatever reason that I can't work anymore, that is a yeah. problem for me. I think if you raise it that way with an employer that made your job offer, most employers are going to be at least agreeable to think about it and talk about it with you.
0: Well, we've got time to uh, slide in another call, I think. Hey, Michael, uh, good afternoon. How are you? Uh, fine. Good. Good. What's going on?
4: Uh, I've been an employee for almost 39 years with this company, and it's subsequently being bought out by a, a big American firm, and they're shutting the plant down, and of course, you know, almost 400 employees are going to lose their jobs, and everybody got terminations of notice and severance packages, and I got absolutely zero, I was not even acknowledged as an employee. Why? And but there's more to the story. Um, in 2012, I turned 65. I missed the legislation that repealed mandatory retirement, right? Just by a few months. So, when I supposedly retired, uh, you know, I had signed this form and uh, um, my my retirement date was like august 15 2012 the very next day i was put on contract with uh, a lesser wage uh no benefits and but i agreed to that right i uh, and the reason being is because i took two kids when i was cut in legal custody when i was 55 and um so i thought i had no choice so um so in the meantime I went to our HR department and complained that they didn't even acknowledge me or anything, and they did come back with, a, with a, you know, a package, and they said that I was actually an employee for almost six and a half years since 2012, and they deducted four and a half months' notice of termination, and they gave me tw- they offered me 12 weeks. Which is actually it was generous because it's
1: four weeks per year. No, right? no. But, so, so, Michael, just because we're running out of out of time, answer me this: uh, When you supposedly retired, you continued working. There was really no interruption in terms
4: of actually no re- interruption, except so, um, except that uh, instead of forty
1: hours, I've been working thirty hours a week. Right. So here's the thing: I'm going to make this very, very clear. In the eyes of the law, because there was no interruption, you're still a 39 or whatever it is, 40-year employee. You're not a six-year employee. It doesn't actually matter what you signed at that point. The law is going to determine that you're a 39-year employee, which means you're owed severance as a 39-year employee, and I'll tell you right now, I don't have to even be a good employment lawyer to tell you what that is. That is right around two years of severance that they owe you, 24 months. So not 12 weeks or whatever it is that they've offered you, that's nonsense. You've been wrongfully dismissed, that's the bad news. The good news is this is not complicated. This is gonna be easy to resolve. So what I need you to do, and this is very, very important, you can't mess around with this, you can't sit on this. Is I need you to call me. Call me tomorrow at the office. I'm in the office all day, or, or you can email me if you want, and let's you and I connect off air so I can help you get what you owed. This should resolve quickly. This, this could resolve in a couple of weeks. This is not rocket science. So I want you to connect with me as soon as possible, Michael. You're a 40 year employee. You owe significant severance.
0: And that'll do it for uh, this afternoon. Michael, appreciate that call. Good that you called. Here is that number, 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123 and help at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour. Till next time, right here on CKNW.